Hello, friends, and welcome back to the rest of the sermon, Confessions of a Pastor. It's great to have you here today uh, as we continue uh, our conversation together with one another. Uh, I'm happy that you have joined us today as we will take a look at something that I believe uh, is probably the biggest problem that we face in our country today. Uh, I believe that it is the source, the root of a lot of the division that we find uh, in our communities, uh, maybe even in our churches. This past Sunday, we took a look uh, at Philippians as we continued uh, our study through the book of Philippians. We looked at chapter 2, verses 1 through 4. It's a part of a little bit of a larger passage, uh, but there was enough in there that I felt the need to try to, to divide it into two separate sermons, and I'm glad that I did. It was a message that I wrestled with for an entire week, which usually means it's probably going to speak to people. If it spoke to me in that way, it's probably going to speak to others. It's a message that wasn't comfortable uh, to prepare, it wasn't comfortable to think about, and it wasn't comfortable to deliver. Uh, And uh, from comments that I've received, it wasn't real comfortable to hear, Um, uh, just because it shed some light, I think, uh, and maybe forced us or, or asked us to take a look, an honest step back and a look into our own selves and what it is that drives us. So, as always, if you would like to see the sermon that led into this podcast, this episode, you'll be able to follow a link that you can find in our show notes, and I would be happy if you would take a listen if you haven't already heard it. The basic premise, uh, the title of the sermon, which was a little provocative, a little uh, in your face, was Stop Being So Selfish. Um, When thinking about that, I thought to myself, that feels a little harsh, Uh, to use as a sermon title. And to be honest, where I landed was to say it needed to be harsh. It needed to feel that way because this is a significant issue, I think, in our our current society and our culture uh, and really in all that we do. Uh, It's my assessment, at least, that our own selfishness gets in our way more times than not. Uh, In other words, we, uh, most of us, if we're honest with ourselves, we start the day off thinking about Uh, what we need to do to make the day better for ourselves, what we need to do to make the day easier for ourselves. And I pose the simple question, and that is, uh, what would happen if we started the day, we approached the day with the the perception, the question, what can we do to make the day easier for others? What can I do to make the day better for someone else? What can I do to make make sure that someone else feels uh, accepted, heard, Uh, feels valued and feels worthy uh, for the creation of God that they are. Uh, Some of this was couched in the idea of, uh, we have a tagline here at our church. Uh, We say that we are a church that desires to know God, to love all, and to serve others. And I I sat on that that motto, that tagline, for a little bit uh, from a standpoint of thinking about, you know, nowhere in there does it talk about me and what I want, or what I need, or what I desire. Instead, it's all focused outward. It's focused on us loving other people, serving other people, knowing God. And in in essence, when we are able to know God, we're able to share that God with others so that they too can know God. And I think that that in its essence is what God calls us to do. It's who God calls us to be, uh, outwardly focused. But how many of us How many of us struggle with this idea of being outwardly focused? How many of us find ourselves on a daily basis 
consumed with what's going on on the inside, consumed with what other people are thinking about me, uh, instead of being more focused on those that are around us. For a couple weeks, we talked about um, the opportunities that God puts in front of us to be able to share this gospel message, this calling that we have in our lives to go and to make disciples. And I firmly believe that God puts opportunities in front of us every day where we have the opportunity to live into that, uh, to share that message, to make a difference in someone's life. But I also believe that uh, a vast majority of the time we miss it. We miss the opportunity. And I think one of the main reasons we do that is because we're so focused inwardly and not looking out into the world, not seizing the opportunities that, that lie right in front of us. How many of us have driven right by someone holding up a sign? How many of us have walked right by someone holding up a sign, asking for help, asking for, and making the assumption at the same time that they're up to no good, right? I mean, that's what we automatically think. If I give them money, it's what we've been conditioned to think. If I give them money, they're just going to go waste it. And maybe that's accurate. Maybe that's true. But my question to you would be is where does that fall in line of what you know, you're called to do? In other words, maybe a better way of putting that is what business is that of yours, what they do with it? Uh, some may take issue there. You may have a, a perspective of saying, well, but but no, I don't want to enable uh, their sinful nature, their sinful behavior. And I would say, but it's not your job uh, to wipe the sin out of their lives. That's something that falls squarely on them. Uh, and maybe what they really need is that conversation. Maybe if someone were to stop and to take time and to treat them as a human being, uh, and to engage with them in a very real way, maybe that would be something that would be um, effective. I don't know. Something to think about. I've shared uh, stories uh, on this podcast before of different times and opportunities when things like that have happened, uh, and I've been able to do uh, have some of those conversations and, and what's resulted. And it doesn't always end in a positive way. It doesn't always end well. Uh, it's not always uh, that that solves everything. Um, sometimes people don't want to talk, but that doesn't mean we shouldn't take those opportunities when they sit right in front of us. So what about this idea of our own selfishness? What do we do with this? How do we change that? How do we become someone who's focused outward instead of inward? If you're asking those questions, I would say, keep it up. That's the first step. The first step is to realize that, you know, I live my life uh, mainly in a way that is focused inward on me, focused on what's best for me, what's best for my family, what's best for those that I care about, uh, where maybe, not that that's not important, but maybe we need to be thinking about this creation that God has made, these people that God has created. We're not the only ones, right? Certainly you and your family are not the only people that God created. He created all of us. And if that's the case, then we all hold value. We all hold worth and meaning. And how do we demonstrate that to one another? What does it mean to know God, to love all, and to serve others? How do we become really serious about that? First, I think we have to uh, take seriously that first step, knowing God. That is so important and something we can't just gloss over because, frankly, it's probably the harder of the three steps. Knowing God is difficult because it requires us to allow ourselves to be vulnerable. 
There's a great book that I recommend to a lot of clients that I work with, a lot of parishioners that I talk with. It's a book called Emotionally Healthy Spirituality. It was written by Peter Scazzaro, uh, and it's a book that our church did a book study on about three years ago, four years ago, somewhere in there. And I'll be honest, I read this book at least once a year because it's a helpful reminder to me uh, of a few facts that sometimes I think we lose sight of. The first helpful reminder to me is that as much as I think that, uh, that there are things in my life I want to be able to hide from God or I want to make sure that God can't see, that's simply a fallacy uh, in my, my way of thinking. It's a flaw in my logic that God already knows who I am and knows who I am at the very core. And so Peter uh, Scazzaro uses this uh, image of an iceberg. It's an image probably a lot of us are familiar with, this idea that uh, an iceberg, on average, about 10% of it is what's outside of the water. 90% of the size, the bulk of an iceberg is underwater. And so if you're a ship and you just see this 10% sticking up, you have no idea, you can't fathom how big the iceberg is. And he says that's a lot of ways how our life is. We have this 10%, this facade that we put on over ourselves where we cover up all the things we don't like, all the ugliness, all the sin, if you will. We try to cover that up as we portray this 10% to the world. And he said, if we're honest with ourselves, we do the same with God. We try to put this 10% out that this is what God would see, forgetting the fact that obviously God sees the whole iceberg. Maybe even forgetting the fact that God knows about the iceberg and it's okay. Because Jesus came, because grace is given, because forgiveness is real, it's okay. And so Scazzaro says we have to start first with recognizing the full iceberg that we have. And we have to be really, really willing to be vulnerable, especially with God. That's where we start. And then to be vulnerable with others. And it's uh, part of what drives me uh, to be as confessional as I am. Uh, in my preaching, and my talking, and in, in conversations that I have with folks, I hope that people re- hear and that they realize that you're not alone. Like the same things that you're struggling with are things that I'm struggling with. And I think it's important that you know that, that others struggle with this, first of all, but then that even pastors struggle with this. I, I have always said um, there's nothing special or unique about me. Uh, other than I stand up and I like to talk, right? Uh, and truthfully, I don't even really even like to talk that much, but I do enjoy uh, standing up and, and, and experiencing God's message, uh, trying to be a conduit that God can use to talk through and really engaging in some of those ideas. That's what I see my role as, uh, that and then being the shepherd. I, I do genuinely like to care for folks. Um, and so because of that, there's nothing unique. There's nothing special from a standpoint of, I don't have this connection with God that someone else can't have. Uh, and because of that, I, I, I share in the struggle uh, that most folks, that all folks struggle with. And so it's important for us to realize what vulnerability looks like. And it's important for us to realize uh, the study and the effort that it requires if we truly want to know God. It's not something that just happens uh, in the night. It's not something that just you wake up one morning and all of a sudden you have this relationship and it's great. It takes effort, just like any relationship. It takes work, just like any relationship. You spend time trying to get to know someone that you're going to spend time with. How much time do you spend trying to get to know God? Some of you may be saying, yeah, but it's different because who I'm trying to get to know with is right in front of me. And I would say, so is God. God is always right there. If we would just simply take the time and the space to seek God out. Uh, 
So first we have to know God before we can rid ourselves of selfish ambition, selfish ambition, selfish goals, uh, selfish motivations. Once we know God, once we know the true essence of God, once we understand what God through the personhood of Jesus Christ did for each and every one of us, then we can start to understand and glimpse what true love really looks like. It's when we can start to, to fathom what loving others looks like, what loving all looks like. We have these ideas of what love might look like. And, you know, the Greeks had three different words for love and three different kind of ways of looking at love. We, uh, in our English society, only have one word. We're not near as um, as, as uh, diverse, I guess, in that way. We've got a one single idea of what love looks like or one word to try to encapsulate all of what love is. But when I really think about what it means to love all, first and foremost, where, what that means and where we start is by sharing that gospel message with other people. Part of loving someone is helping them understand who God is and then in, in turn who they are because of who God is. Part of loving all means we, we see the intrinsic value and worth in everyone. That there's not a questionnaire you have to fill out. There's not a resume. I don't have an application that you can fill out that shows or demonstrates that you're worthy. The fact that you are here on this earth makes you worthy, period. It doesn't matter what you've done before this day. It doesn't matter and even necessarily what you're going to do after this day. You are worthy, period, of the love that I can give because God has given that love to me. Once we recognize what love really looks like, you know, that act on the cross and the forgiveness that we're all giving. And once we realize we wrestle with, this is jumping ahead a little bit to this coming week's sermon, so you're getting a little bit of a preview. But once we realize that, that Jesus wasn't plan B for God, Jesus was the ark in the ark of the story from the beginning. Jesus has been there since the beginning. Think about the beginning of John. In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. Jesus has always been there. Jesus coming and walking on the earth and, and teaching and healing and preaching and, and all of these things as his life unfolded were all part of the plan of what love looked like from God and a way for us to understand, deeply understand and experience what love means. So first we have to know God, and then we, when we know God, we can understand love, and we can start demonstrating that by loving others, right? By loving all, uh, not drawing lines or distinctions and saying, you're worthy, but you're not. Look at how you are acting. Look at what you've done with your life. No, 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 none of that matters. It's all irrelevant because you are all lovable in the eyes of God, which means you must be lovable in my eyes as well something I struggle with mightily right now in our, in our country. There's so much division. I've talked about that division here, and it just seems uh, that as we grow closer to an election, that's what I'd like to be able to blame it on. It's probably not fair, and it probably won't just end, uh, and I know it won't end at the end of an election. But this division that wells up, everything becomes uh, a political opinion. Everything it doesn't matter what it is or what it was rooted in to begin with. You either think this or you think that. And depending on if you think this or that is what your political leaning is. Whether it's fair or not fair, everything is politicized. And I wonder what would happen if we could take a step back and say, no, 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 the reason I'm doing this is because I love. That's why I do it. I don't do it because of a political thought or political process or anything else. It's because I love, because that's what God's called me to do. 
Finally, once we know God and we learn how to love all, then it becomes our job, our duty. It is an imperative that we serve others. And again, it's it's this others part that becomes difficult. The lawyer uh, in the New Testament who was talking with Jesus after the story of the Good Samaritan, before the story of the Good Samaritan, the parable, says, okay, so I'm supposed to love my neighbor, but but who exactly is my neighbor? I'm supposed to serve my neighbor, but who exactly is my neighbor? And Jesus doesn't pull any punches. You know, the story of the Good Samaritan is a, is a pretty, um, a pretty direct, uh, in-your-face story for the folks who were there in that day and time. Samaritans were despised. They were the lowest of the low. Um, in some ways, they were like half citizens, if you will, or half human. Uh, they weren't credited as being uh, full people. And I, I'm, I'm trying to prove a point here. Um, but Jesus used them as the hero of the story to say, yeah, even the Samaritans, they're your neighbor. So you serve others. You don't ask questions. You don't try to decipher is somebody worthy of, of help or not. You don't try to decipher, well, what are they going to do with the help that I get? It doesn't matter. That's not up for you to figure out or decide. You're called to serve other people. And when we do that, when we do those things, when we know God, when we love all, and when we serve others, it becomes really difficult for us to be selfish. It becomes really difficult for us to be focused on who or what I need. It becomes really difficult for us not to lose ourselves in serving God. So friends, as we Think about the rest of this week that is in front of you, the full week between now and the next episode of this podcast. I encourage you to think about how can I be less selfish? How can I change what thoughts go through my head when I first wake up? How can I make life less about me and more about others? And at the end of the day, if I can figure that out, if I can do it, that I am living out the gospel message. And shouldn't that be what we're all striving to do? So today, I encourage you, take some time to know God, to love all, and to serve others. Thank you for joining me once again for the rest of the sermon. Thanks for sticking around. Thanks for Uh, your support throughout these past 14, 15 episodes now. Uh, As always, if you have questions or feedback or comments, you can send those to the rest of the sermon at gmail.com. I really would like to hear from you what your experience is with this podcast and maybe thoughts that you would like to see, some topics or ideas you would like to see covered, some conversations you would like to have. Uh, I'd love to engage with you in that way. Until next time, As always, I hope you have a wonderful week. I pray that you will spend some time this week knowing God, loving all, and serving others. Until we meet again, God bless.